3: Welcome in to Daily FaceOff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Happy Monday, hockey fans. Welcome in. It's a fresh week of daily face-off live, and just a couple weeks to go until our big trade deadline special. I'm Tyler. He is former NHL goaltender, turned daily face-off analyst Mike McKenna. Mike, I know you are a foodie. Did you have a crazy spread for Super Bowl yesterday? Well,
1: I was good, man. I I was slinging Detroit-style pizzas, did pork belly burnt ends on the smoker, and the folks that came over also brought some unbelievably good crispy Asian-glazed wings with a pile of cilantro on it, which I love. So, yeah, dude, it was real good. I didn't care about the game. Even though I'm from Missouri, I guess I'm happy that the Chiefs won. So whatever, football. But uh, (laughs) food was great, man. How about you? Uh, Yeah, the food I had was
0: not that good. Uh, Never disappointed to hear the McKenna weekend food recap. Always good stuff. Uh, But the game was good. I mean, it was until that penalty call. It was almost a perfect Super Bowl. It's a shame that it kind of ended on something like that. But I digress. Let's get into some of the hockey news we got over the weekend. Or maybe I should say the hockey news we didn't get Mike McKenna. We'll throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the board and start with Jacob Chikrin, who was held out of the lineup on Saturday night for the Coyotes with what the team themselves described in the press release as trade related reasons. And that sent Twitter into, well, it just went crazy. Everyone was wondering where this guy was going. Is it Edmonton? Is it Toronto? Is it LA? And our very own Frank Saravalli said that there was legitimate smoke connecting the LA Kings with Jacob Chikrin. But as Frank said, no confirmed fire Yet, and this morning on the dfo Rundown, which you can find wherever you get your podcast from, Frank did add, you know, if it hasn't happened yet for the Kings and Chickren, maybe that means it's not happening at all. It seems like a good landing spot for him, Mike. What did you make of the Chickren thing, and what do you make of LA as a potential fit?
1: I mean, what happened? Did did everybody just start watching the Super Bowl and forget that there was a trade to be made here? I mean, with with all this smokes around in the Kings and and frank and among others really immediate saying that they believe that that would probably be the proper destination where Chekrin is headed could you imagine if this blew up and went a different direction you know it would have yeah. to be somebody swooping in with a killer offer to beat out what the kings could offer for chicken services which if you ask me they're the team that can get this done the easiest with their prospect cool pool how deep yeah. they are um not only non-defense but forward man like they have plenty of players to make this happen they have draft picks uh, i i am surprised though that it's still noon eastern time and there's nothing done when chicken was held up out of the lineup on saturday against st louis so it's definitely been a slow burn and it's kept everybody um, you know, pretty, pretty up in arms, but I think LA is a great fit for him. When you look at that decor right now, you've got, you would have, if he's there, you would have checker and Dowdy, Mikey Anderson, Jersey, Alex Adler's still there. And then the prospect pool, you still have Jordan Spence ripping up the American league, Brant Clark ripping up the Ontario hockey league. Now who knows if either of them would be involved in the trade, but there's plenty to draw from there. Tyler. I really like it as a fit. If I were, um, if I were Rob Blake, I'd be trying to make the same trade. Uh, it's just trying to get it done get it across the goal line I would think
0: yeah like you mentioned their prospect pool I think another thing that makes it really easy to dip into that prospect pool or trade a first round pick for a guy like Chikrin is when you look at their roster and just see how many guys are forget under the age of 25 26 how many guys are 22 23 years old and contributing to that lineup but as of right now Jacob Chikrin is still a coyote Frank also adding this morning on the DFO rundown that maybe The Arizona Coyotes are now willing to retain some money on the next three years. And that right there, I mean, if that goes out to a bunch of interested teams that, hey, maybe we'll keep a million bucks. Maybe we'll keep two million Mm -hmm. bucks of this guy's contract in order to get us a better return. I wonder if the list of teams calling Bill Armstrong suddenly just keeps growing and growing. So maybe that move on Saturday, Mike, was a bit of a bluff from Arizona. They wanted to get everyone's final offers in before maybe changing it up with the retained salary thing.
1: Yeah, especially knowing that Sunday with the Super Bowl probably wasn't going to be a lot going on. So I could see that. But I mean, this is a player who's top three getting the puck in and out of the zone in the entire NHL. Mike Kelly had a great tweet about it that you can find on Twitter. But uh, I think Chikrin fits there. It's just a matter of if LA can get it done. We were so close to getting what would have been our third
0: big trade of deadline season vladimir tarasenko was the second one and we got to see him make his debut on friday night for the rangers he scored early on in that debut off a of feed from his man Artemi Panarin the two friends from Russia connecting and it was a great debut Tarasenko was the first star of the game the Rangers have now won 3 in a row and are looking like a force to be reckoned with in the Metropolitan Division but I want to zero in on kind of the early returns of that Tarasenko move Chris Drury jumping ahead of the market and snagging Tarasenko well before the trade deadline what I like about this Mike is he's got that natural chemistry with Artemi Panarin and it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see the two of them play a lot down the stretch But he also gives uh, head coach Gerard Glant some options and some depth. Like he can work this lineup a ton of different ways.
1: Yeah, and we saw that really in the first two games that Tarasenko played with the Rangers against the Seattle Kraken. He goes out, he plays with Panarin, Zibanejad, as expected. And it took less than three minutes for them to find each other with Tarasenko going right to the front of the net from Panarin. It looked like they've done it for 20 years. They probably have in the summer for all we know with one another. Big smiles all around. Um, They played power play. Now Tarasenko more second unit against the kraken but then you flip it mm-hmm. to the next game the next night against the carolina hurricanes now hurricanes obviously a really strong team are the kraken but to me the rangers didn't have the juice to start the game and head coach jargon saw that and he thought man okay we got to switch this up a little bit and i think he wanted to take a look at tarasenko on another line so what does he do um, tarasenko he goes down and joins um, Kreider and mika zibanejad panarin goes with Trochek and VC. well, Panarin pops four goals, okay, playing with Trochek and VC in the second half of that game. Uh, Tarasenko really didn't factor against the Hurricanes. They didn't have a shot on goal, didn't get to play power play, and the Rangers only had 48 seconds of power play anyway. But to me, it just shows that that Rangers team, Tyler, they're four lines deep now. Like You got Goudreau and Gauthier on the fourth line. Kids are playing well on the third. Tarasenko, to me, was really that missing piece Uh, That has solidified all four lines, and it gives head coach Gerard Gallant options with what he wants to do
0: and different looks you can throw in an opponent too i mean you mentioned that game against the hurricanes you go up against a strong team the division leader and you can kind of sit there and keep the other team's coach on his heels he doesn't know if he's gonna get you know tarasenko and panarin together maybe tarasenko's taking some shifts lower down the lineup as well and i like the point you made about Barkley goudreau a guy who now can just focus on providing you energy on that fourth line as well like the way everything slots in this lineup now thanks to this deal I mean, Gerard Gallant's got to just be kicking back and loving life with what he can do with this forward group. The question I now have is they also picked up Nico Mikola. Now they got their big forward ad. Does Chris Drury look at what's going on with this team, how well they're playing, and go, I got another first-round pick. I still have some prospects. Maybe he's tempted to, like, add another
1: piece somewhere in this lineup and really beef it up yeah we'll see I mean Miklu has played pretty well he kind of fills that role in on D and and you know what he's also getting quality goaltending out of Yara Holak behind Igor Shishjirik and Holak's now won seven games in a row so pretty stout at all three positions goalie defense and a forward for the Rangers
0: now this next story we're going to get to kind of came down the pipe right after our show on Friday but it was Patrick Kane talking about that Vladimir Tarasenko trade and he kind of said you know, it was disappointing for him to see the Rangers go out and make that move because if he were to waive his no movement or his no trade clause, the Rangers were a team that he said he kind of had his eye on as a potential destination. Kane hasn't been having the best offensive season with just nine goals in 48 games and I, there's been a lot of talk about his lingering hip issue and whether or not that's hampering his ability to produce and whether or not it could actually affect his trade value as well but Kane talking about the Rangers as a team you would have liked to go to. We've also heard he might not be a guy who loves the idea of just being a pure rental somewhere and considering he holds all the cards in terms of where he could be dealt or where he could not be dealt I suppose it's going to be a fascinating situation over the next 18 days here Mike when you look at Patrick Kane and you look around the league are there any spots where you go okay not only would the team be
1: interested in acquiring Kane but it would make sense from Kane's perspective to want to go there he's going to want a winner isn't he Tyler Like somebody that can, a team that can really challenge for the Stanley Cup. And he has the right to be choosy. Um, One thing that I thought was real interesting that Kane did say was you want to do right by the franchise, meaning the Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. Like they've been very good to him over the years. He wants what's best for both sides. Kane knows the writing's on the wall, right? He's going to try to help the Blackhawks get the best return they can, I think, in my eyes. So who could he go to? Well, you know, I mean, the Hurricanes have been looking for somebody to beef up their scoring, which was supposed to be Max Pacioretty. Okay, well, Pachetty's mm-hmm. out now, man. Like to me, that's a natural fit. Now, I understand Kane's not the pure sniper that Pachetty is, and that's really what the Hurricanes have been looking for. But if you're trying to add offensive punch, maybe Kane's the guy who can distribute the puck to get maybe Teravine and going a little bit more, or somebody else on that team. Uh, I think he'd, be, he'd fit there. I think you know the Wild have looked for scoring, but I think they need a centerman more than they need a winger like Kane. Uh, so, with me, the other team that really fits is the Vegas Golden Knights with all that IR. Uh, all that cap space that comes with Mark Stone being on the IR. They need a right winger. They've needed a right winger all season long. I think it comes down to if Kane wants to play with Jack Eichel, does that work? You know, because Vegas is leading the Pacific again. They're three points up on the next team. They're a contender. I think that would be intriguing. So the dark horse for me, though, is Dallas. They could use some touring. I don't know if wow. Jim Dill could pull it off. It would have to be a little money in and out to do so. Uh, but I think your two horses here, probably Carolina and Vegas, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. The one that I just can't... Just purely from a vibes perspective, Mike, if Kane does truly want to go somewhere where he's going to stay long-term... How about Buffalo, right? You give him that, whether he's playing with, a Thompson and Tuck and it's some super lineup top, or maybe you give a guy like Dylan Cousins who you just committed to long-term, someone he can run with, and you have all of a sudden this really dynamic top six. I know that it's not necessarily, you know, a team that's gearing up for a long playoff push, but they could be looking to just squeak in and maybe they want to go long-term with Patrick Kane. He's from that area as well, right? Like if he was interested in the Rangers
1: as in terms of being a long-term fit, why wouldn't he be interested in Buffalo? Yeah, I like your line of thinking. It's just, I think it would depend what Kevin Adams is doing there and his long-term projection of that team. They have so much good young talent. Where would Kane fit? I think Kane's probably more likely to be a pure rental this year.
0: Oh, but that uh, that Dallas idea, that's got me thinking now because, I mean, they don't have their first round pick, but could they make something else happen with maybe one of their good prospects in the system? That's an interesting one. I like that dark horse idea. Uh, let's continue our deadline countdown series. A new article every single day up to the trade deadline from our very own Frank Cerevali. And today, he's taking a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, this is a team that kind of doubled down on their... Aging core, right? Malkin, Latang both got new deals. This team seemed like they wanted to keep the pedal to the floor and keep that Stanley Cup window open for Sidney Crosby. But then you hear Ron Hextall come out a couple weeks ago and say, Well, I'm not moving my first round pick ahead of the deadline. And I kind of go, That feels a little counterproductive. You know, you have a lot of draft picks this year. You have a lot of draft picks next year. You haven't really dipped into that side of things very much. And if you double down with the aging pieces you have and you're trying desperately to keep this window open, why does it make sense to only kind of have just your toes in the water you need to go all in if you're going to keep this around and avoid any sort of retooling process mike i personally think it'd be a mistake for them to not look at some of the high-end rentals and go hey listen we just got to get in there maybe jari gets hot and we got to keep this window open for cross because we committed to that in the summer i think it'd be a mistake to not look at those high-end pieces when you look at the penguins and their
1: potential deadline plans what do you see well, you touched on one player, Tristan Jari, who makes me real nervous because he hasn't been healthy. You know, he's just now getting back to it. Even the last two seasons, there's just no way around it. He hasn't been available at critical times. So do you trust Casey DeSmith to win you a Stanley Cup? Okay. And DeSmith's game to me, this the past year and a half, two years, has been a little bit below what we'd seen previously. I think I'd be looking really hard at a Cam Talbot. Or or somebody else in terms of goaltending depth. It's a really weak goalie market. We're going to touch on that here in a little bit in the blue paint. Um, but I think I'd go. I'd be looking in that direction. The thing that I look at Pittsburgh is the depth there is just not what would be expected for me. You know, what do you have out of your bottom two lines? Right, Jeff Carter's production's a little bit down. The rest of the crew there hasn't been great. Do they search out a player like Tampa's done the past couple of years? That can fill in there the problem is that the assets man if they're not going to move first round pick what are you going to get so man i i think rod hextall should should make a play here to be able to bolster that offense somebody that's responsible that can play a two-way game uh that could slot in probably second third line somewhere in your middle six i think would really help that club
0: yeah i agree with you you look at uh kind of what's been going on recently in their bottom six and that third line carter mcginn kapanen they've combined for just two goals in the team's last mm-hmm. 10 games. You look at the fourth line, Teddy Bluger, Josh Archibald, Ryan Poling, one goal in the last 10 games. You just, you're not going to go on a run with that kind of depth. And you could sit there and say, Hey, let's beef it up by adding some third and fourth liners that can kill penalties and skate hard, whatever. But I look at what we talked about earlier with Vladimir Tarasenko, man, go out and get a big piece. Maybe someone that can slot next to Crosby. Then Raquel gets knocked down one. Then maybe Jason Zucker gets knocked down one and your depth just starts to take shape because you impact the top of your lineup. I just think if no sense being half pregnant, kept all these guys around you paid a ton of money to some aging players go all in keep this window open tristan jari is a ufa at the end of the year so maybe you do want to go out and get a goalie and i don't know take a look at someone but uh i i just think there's a lot of holes here and for ron hextall to come out and say i'm not moving my first round pick it just seems a little bit premature maybe it's a bluff maybe it's something like what we saw over the weekend with arizona where he's just sending something out to throw everyone off his tracks Uh, but you mentioned goaltending and the penguins let's get into some other interesting goaltending situations around the league with a new edition of the next wave The next wave no it's the blue paint brought to you by our friends at montana's you can check out the new comfort menu at montana's mike let's dig into things here starting out west pacific division a team you know very well in the vegas golden knights logan thompson out he's injured what do you see between the crease there and does vegas maybe really need to go out and add someone in the next three weeks
1: You know, I think Vegas is probably wise to stand pat with what they have in the crease uh, unless things go completely sideways. Here's the reason why. Logan Thompson's been a rock for this club in Vegas. The problem is now with a lower body injury, he's expected to be out week to week. Head coach Bruce Cassidy said that he would probably be back for the regular season, but not anytime soon. That's concerning to me, Tyler. I mean, that's looking, what, four to six weeks probably. So um, Cassidy also went on to say that now that Laurent Brassois has been recalled from Henderson in the American League, his playing time will be dependent on how he plays and his opportunities. What that means to me is this is Aiden Hill's crease in Vegas right now. He's been there all season long. On the season, he's 12-5-1 with a nine oh nine save percentage. Now, we need to look at this. Hill's goal saved above expected for MoneyPuck.com is down in 73rd in the league. And he's also faced a really weak schedule. So this is make it or break it time for Aiden Hill. But you have Laurent Pressois as your ace in the hole Why you have three goaltenders. Uh, at a time because Brassois played a lot of last year injured he ended up having offseason surgery his 895 safe percentage last season was well off his career 905 at 106 NHL games and he's played pretty well in Henderson who's been a bottom feeder in the AHL specific division so I think Vegas is okay in goal here I think Hill and Brassois should be able to carry the load until Thompson is back I wouldn't do anything drastic uh, but if the wheels fall off then yes or if Thompson gets set back in his recovery then maybe Vegas looks to do something. But I think they're pretty good here.
0: Let's head out east and take a look at another team who's dealing with a lot of injuries between the pipes. Saturday afternoon, the Senators had to watch Anton Forsberg get stretchered off the ice. Uh, Bruce Garriock reporting. It sounds like Forsberg's are going to avoid surgery, so a two-to-three-month recovery timeline basically going to keep him out the rest of the regular season. Cam Talbot is already out as well, a team in Ottawa who probably wasn't going to commit to being buyers at the deadline. Maybe they'd even look to sell off a piece, but now they got all these injuries and they have two young guys between the pipes. I mean, what do you make of this situation in Ottawa, Mike?
1: Well, I think that Ottawa might be wise to be a buyer and a seller in this uh, situation because let's face it, they're not making the playoffs. Cam Talbot's a pending UFA. He's played quality hockey in the league. Are they really going to be able to retain him? Is that the plan? I don't know. So if I'm Pierre Dorian, I think I need to move Cam Talbot. Even though he's coming off an injury, he's going to be healthy in the next week or two, we think at least is what it looks like it's projecting out to be. Um, Go out, get a piece for Cam Talbot, right? They don't have a third-round pick in the next two years draft. Make a play. The problem is that's going to leave you without a goalie because Anton Forsberg with the double MCL injury, the poor guy's probably like wheelchair-bound right now. I mean, I can't even imagine having both at the same time. I feel awful for him. Um, but he's done for the year. But he does have two years remaining on his contract at $2.75 million. So you know Forsberg's going to be there next season. What do they do in goal after that? You know, you start to look down the batting order. Mad Sogard is there. Kevin Mandelisi. Now for Mad Sogard, I believe he needs to be in the American Hockey League. He had a short cameo last year. He played okay in the NHL. Um, he's had an up and down season in Belleville in the American League. But he's a pretty early draft pick that they should have some belief in and even the same way with Mandelizzi. So, you know, if Talbot comes back, if Forsberg's out the rest of the year, I think regardless, the Senators need to pick up a goaltender and they can go two ways about it. They could pick up a proven NHL goalie as a warm body to fill in until the rest of the season, or I think they could also go out and find a goaltender that maybe fits long-term, meaning the next two, three years alongside Forsberg until Sogard or Mandelizzi is ready to go in Ottawa. So I think Dorian would be wise uh, to do a little selling and a little buying here towards the trade deadline.
0: Interesting. Can I throw a name at you for the Ottawa Senators? He's currently in the American Hockey League. What about Alex Nedeljkovic, a young guy? You know, he's on the block, clearly. Detroit's put him through waivers about a month ago.
1: Would that maybe be someone who could be a fit? I would love to see that. I think Nedeljkovic is an NHL goaltender. Absolutely. He's a great puck handler. Uh, He's had a tough stretch this year in Detroit but he showed well last year in a trying team he played great in Carolina he's ready to be rejuvenated I think his contract's been a big hindrance but it wouldn't be in Ottawa so that's one name um that I think I could that could work pretty well but there's also some other ones out there
0: yeah so let's stay in the east though and talk about another name that's maybe an option Jonas Corpusalo Mm -hmm. in Columbus that team has been brutal defensively all season and while Corpusalo's numbers maybe don't look like a huge resurgence when you factor in just how bad Columbus has been these numbers are pretty impressive this year. What do you like about Corpusalo? and he's, is he maybe a fit in Ottawa?
1: Well, I think that's a great option maybe for Ottawa. Imagine if you had a Corpusalo Forsberg tandem for the next couple of years. I think you could do worse than that. Uh, and I, what I like about Corpusalo is that he came back from big-time injury. Okay? He he's injured. He had surgery in the offseason. And he's posted some pretty respectable numbers on a team in Columbus that allows the second-most shots on goal per game, 35 shots a game. It's a, it's a tough place to play, man. Um, and you look at the delta between him and his goalie partner, Elvis Merzlikens. Corposalo's got 19 points this year compared to Merzlikins 12. And to me, that 907 save percentage for Corposalo is probably uh, a little bit lower than the actual ability he's played. He's sitting right now at 27th in the NHL and goal saved above expected, which shows he's outpacing not just his goalie partner, but the team's defensive performance. So, you know, what do you do with him? Here's the problem. Merzlikens has four years left on his deal of $5.4 million in Columbus. He's not going anywhere. You can't move that contract unless you buy it out. And Danil Tarasov has two years left on a one-way deal at just over a million dollar cap it. Corpusalo to me is the odd man out in Columbus. And to me, he's auditioning for the next season. If they could get a return on Corpusalo, if he's not going to be kept in Columbus, why not in Ottawa? You know, why not somewhere that needs a, a goaltender that maybe could be their goalie for the rest of this year and into the future? Because I think he's shown pretty well this year. He's played big-time hockey in the past in the in the league. I, I look to Ottawa, maybe a San Jose. Maybe some of these other teams that are looking to extend a goalie. He might fit the bill for them, Tyler.
0: Yeah, and I like that idea. Maybe a team that's not in the playoff picture. Because I think when you look at the contenders around the league, Mike, they're probably looking more at the Talbots and the James mm-hmm. Reimers of the world than they would be at a guy like Corpus
1: Allo, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I... I I think Corpusalo has at least entered that mix now of the contending teams that would consider him, but I think he's lower on the depth chart than a Talbot would be.
0: Fascinating stuff as always. And we're gonna have another blue paint coming up in a couple of weeks to get a little bit more into the goalie market ahead of the NHL's trade deadline, which again comes up on March 3rd. The blue paint is brought to you by our friends at Montana's. Last week we gave away $50 to Montana's. This week, we're up in the stakes hundred dollar giveaway on our instagram and our twitter that is how you can enter daily face off on insta daily face off on twitter go find out more also tonight half price wings at montana's as a part of their fantastic lineup of daily deals i went last week they were unbelievable you know i'm going back again shout out to montana shout out to you mike for the insight on another edition of the blue paint We started the show with some Super Bowl talk, and Mike, we're gonna have a football-themed question here, and I'm fascinated to see who the first name that jumps to your mind is here.
1: Which NHLer would make the best NFLer? Oh. Ryan Reeves. Put him. I, I I don't know football well, but man, you just put him on the on the offensive line and let him mow people down, man. I think he's a natural fit. Um, because we don't really have the big bruisers that can move anymore in the NHL very often. So he'd be a good fit. Marcus Foligno's teammate wouldn't be a bad fit either. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Ryan Reeves' brother plays, I believe he's still with the Saskatchewan Roughriders of the yep. CFL. So there you go. He's even got an in if he wants to start a football career. For me, I'm going to the superstar level, Mike. Give me Alex Ovechkin. You imagine Ovi is like a tight end, just barreling in through the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey-esque. I
1: like that. Hold on. Have you ever seen a Russian try to throw a football? You just got to catch. I saw, Al- <laughs> I, I saw Alex Radulov try to throw a football at a National Predators <laughs> development camp in 2002 or three, and that looked like a duck fluttering, man. Like, anyway, I could see Ovechka catching the ball. We'll leave it at that. I'll take that pick. That's fine. All right.
0: There you go. I see our YouTube chat is popping as well. So drop your takes in there. Which NHLer could you see being the best NFLer? We'll move on to our Points Bet Daily Bet segment. I'm on fire since the All-Star break, actually, up almost five units. So we are looking to keep that rolling. I got two plays tonight, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet Canada. And I am starting with the Flames and Senators. The Senators do not have a goalie. They're playing, well, two young stars. We just talked about it in the blue pane. And I like the Flames here who peppered the Buffalo Sabres north of 40 shots in their game on Sunday. I like taking the flames. I like taking the flames on the puck line at plus 155. I think they are going to start finding their groove here in the second half of the season and I like this matchup. Uh, And then the second one I like is right there at the bottom. Buffalo, LA give me the over in this one. The Sabres have been a great over bet all season and the Kings have struggled in the goaltending department for much of the year. I think six and a half, although it is, you know, one of the higher numbers you'll see the minus 130 payout isn't great i think this is a matchup that is going to see a ton of goals the king's offense also got going a little bit as well so i like rolling with the over between buffalo and la and for calgary ottawa i'm taking the flames on the puck line at a very juicy plus 155. that'll be a wrap
1: for our daily bets and that means we are right into garbage time mike what do you got well i don't know if anybody caught it over the weekend when you're so busy with super bowl stuff but on saturday you might have caught this uh we're looking towards the Milwaukee Admirals and we're looking towards Yaroslav Askarov because this guy got some reps in after a big, a 45 save shootout win. Will you look at this Selly in the shootout, turn around, hop down on the, cre- the crease, start repping out. I tell you, I've never seen anything like this. I never considered anything like this when I was playing. The only thing I questioned here at the end was that net, if his teammate didn't grab it it might have fallen right on his head so i mean 10 out of 10 on creativity here for askarov uh but boy a little dangerous there man you got to give it a good pop so it doesn't come back down on you but i'll tell you what though this guy's a really high draft pick right first round pick for the predators uh he's four and one yeah. over the past five games in milwaukee uh he's 17 9 and 3 on the air with a 9 10. he's got four assists as well great puck handler so his career now in North America, Tyler, is starting to really trend in the right direction. And as you can see, he's he's having fun and he's playing with some confidence in Milwaukee.
0: Love that. A little bit of swagger, and uh, I'm sure most people who go to the gym would tell you that. You always need to have a good spotter, so you're right. He was lucky his teammate was there. 10 out of 10 for creativity, maybe like a 5 out of 10 for the execution. The stick was hitting him in the face and all that, but I love it. I love players having fun at the pro level. It's great stuff. Uh, that's going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show, but we will be right back tomorrow with another edition of Daily Face Off Live. You won't want to miss the show. Leading up to the deadline, live here on the Daily Faceoff YouTube at noon Eastern. Keep it locked in Daily Faceoff in the meantime, and we'll chat tomorrow.
3: Hold up.